Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. And I'm Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're going to talk about fearful symmetry from Justice League Unlimited with our special guest, Michael Bailey. Michael ba- <laughs> Michael is the co-host of From Crisis to Crisis, the Superman podcast. He's a staff writer and co-host of Radio KAL Live over at the Superman homepage. And he has a blog called The Fortress of Bailey-Tude. Welcome back to Supergirl Radio, Michael. Yes, I am uh, reporting from the surface of the sun. <laughs> uh, as it's like 90 some odd degrees at 830. So. Yeah, it's hot. Well, we'll just uh, jump right into it. Um, this week we're talking about uh, Fearful Symmetry, which is the sixth episode of Justice League Unlimited. And it originally aired on September 4th, 2004. It's a really interesting episode um, and an unusual look at Supergirl. And it actually seems to be uh, taking uh, the storyline from um, the finale of Superman the Animated Series mm-hmm. and kind of continuing her story along. So let's get right into it. Uh, what did we think about uh, Supergirl's dreams, these crazy dreams that she's having, both how it was set up in the teaser and uh, how they continued throughout the episode? I loved that it went on. the teaser went on for as long as it did because it really kind of heightened the sense of what is going on here. And it's really interesting. You know, Supergirl in this animated universe so far has been – you know, she she's not like, you know, sweetness and light, but she's a she's a fairly, you know, kind of homespun character. And to see her like chasing this guy and being all evil was really cool. And then having it end with the two heat vision holes yeah, and the ceiling of her room and then talking to John about it after the uh, the hair metal theme, which I have grown to love. Um, <laughs> I, I really liked it because it, it 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 gave up. This season of Justice League, more than any other, had an an arc that actually continued into the next season. So I like how this is kind of one of, I guess we would call it a mythology episode, uh, Mm because it's kind of building upon that story. So this is kind of where all that starts almost, Uh, just being all creepy and stuff. I liked that. Yeah, Supergirl is actually really pretty creepy in this, and you can kind of tell... Even when I was re I had seen this episode several times before, but even re-watching it, I was like, ah, I don't know how I feel about this Supergirl. But you can kind of figure out that it's not really, really her. Uh, because there's a couple of hints. Because, like, at the beginning, she says something about, she says to the man, you're the only loose end. And I was like, oh, that's hardcore. She's going to kill this yeah. dude. <laughs> and she even tells him later, like, you can scream now if you want. And I was like, ah, <laughs> uh, so there's there's things that, you know, she's very violent and she's willing to kill. And there's even a point where I think she gets hit by, like, laser fire or gunfire or something. And so, yes. she's, so she's not exactly invulnerable. So there are some things in the teaser that I liked hinted at the fact that it wasn't really the Supergirl we know. So that was very comforting. Yeah, no, that was actually the thing that, that, you know, the second she was hit by that laser fire and reacted to it the way she did, I was like, okay, I knew this wasn't real. (laughs) Something's going on. What is going on? Um, But yeah, no, I loved that it just opened, like that the cold open for the show was this weird dream sequence where you see her being really horrible. And I also love the device throughout the episode and the fact that, that, you know, uh, these dreams end up connecting her 
to someone that we're going to be talking about momentarily. But I, I do love that she had to, uh, we got to see her work a little bit with uh, Martian Manhunter to kind of see where these dreams were coming from. And it was kind of disconcerting to, to hear him say, well, these don't feel like dreams, but they're not quite memories, but they're not, like, we don't know what they are. So for all we know, you could have done all this and just not know. <laughs> and so it's like Martian Manhunter, for all that he can, you know, get into her head, the fact that he didn't even know what was going on was kind of disconcerting. And it was nice to actually see him do something because they kind of relegated him to the panthro role. Yeah. Uh, in Justice League Unlimited, he's the guy that he's, he's the shift captain, essentially. And you have somebody who is as powerful as Superman just running the joint. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of like seeing him actually do something uh, as opposed to the rest of the series. And I hadn't really thought of the fact that he would be somebody to go to for dreams. Because from what I know about Martian Manhunter Man is that he can kind of, uh, he's a telepath, right? Is that, is that how yep. you would uh, describe him? And so he can kind of read your mind. But I guess in some ways that's really interesting to think, like, maybe he can read people's minds, but he can't figure out dreams like that's something I hadn't really thought about before with him and I liked that in the scene with Martian Manhunter Supergirl says something about how Pa Kent is tired of patching up her ceiling yeah Um, because like you mentioned Michael she does use her heat vision in the dream and then it kind of happens in real life and actually reminded me of one of Sterling Gates's uh, trade paperbacks where that where that happens too and I think that's in Bizarro Girl I think that's in the last one we we read so I thought that was uh, cool that like that's happened several times that like she could feel so out of control in a dream and it really happened in real life. And so that, that is kind of terrifying to, you know, for somebody of that power level to not be in control of herself. I I think that would be scary to me if I was her. I wonder, and, and I wonder if there's ever been an instance where she's woken up and has like floated out of the room. Um, (laughs) Sleep flying. Sleep flying, something, because, like, you know, we've all had those moments where we have a dream and then we wake up and we're clutching our pillow or we're, like, turned a weird way because we were dreaming. We were, like, in a race or something and now we're, like, you know, it looks like we're sprinting in our bed. Um, At least I have. I don't know if that's happened to you guys. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it's interesting that it's always the heat vision with her. And I wonder if anybody's explored that with, like... You know, she happens to fly, or maybe she's like in her sleep, frozen in the room. Yeah, uh, with her breath. <laughs> yeah, maybe she's but, coughed or something, and it froze well, they, things. They had that scene in the second episode of Smallville. Oh yeah, yeah. Where he dreamed he was flying, and then he wakes up and he's floating over the bed. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's there's precedent with this type of thing. I, I'm sure that there has been something like that in the comics as well. For Supergirl, uh, yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure there has. I just, you know, have not seen it. I was curious about what y'all thought about how the dreams sort of connected. There was a reason for the dreams. Like, there was a psychic kind of a connection to this Galatea character. Uh, what did you think about that, Michael? I liked it a lot. Uh, the The last episode of Superman the Animated Series is kind of an aberration because instead of being like this kind of heartfelt goodbye to these characters of the, the world is left in a state uh, where they don't trust Superman and are publicly talking about that. I'm glad we're never going to see that in a Superman project again um, <laughs> at all. 
Sorry, that was a little sarcastic for yeah, this early like, in the show. Yeah, really? Because it's coming out. <laughs> but, you might have um, heard of it. <laughs> but um, no, I, I, I liked that they were kind of playing off of that. Like, like that happened, and now it has ramifications beyond the uh, season premiere of season two of Justice League where they go and fight Je- uh, Darkseid. Uh, and that seemed to kind of be the wrap up. It's like, no, there, there's a lot more going on. And now you've done something and the humans are reacting to it. Yeah. Uh, so we get to see Dr. Hamilton again. We get to see General General Hardwick. Where did that come from? Like this one dude from like two episodes suddenly is back and, and, and kind of cranky as ever. Uh, <laughs> I know. And has a kryptonite gun. And has a kryptonite gun that... Uh, <laughs> Green Arrow uh, stands in front of, which was, I really liked that scene actually, but no, I, I liked how it all links and it makes this universe feel like a universe. Uh, and, and, and the ultimate payoff of this does that even better. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, about Galatea now that, uh, we've kind of gotten to that portion. Um, cause I mean, Galatea just seemed like, you know, it's like they were trying to do power girl without doing power girl. Um, I mean, it was definitely a shout out to her in any case, but yeah, as it turns out at the end of, uh, Superman, the animated series, when Supergirl is out of commission and she's being healed by, uh, Dr. Hamilton, uh, it turns out that she has some genetic material taken and he's created a clone of her who he's named Galatea, which, uh, is a, you know, shout out to Pygmalion, the Greek myth of Pygmalion. Mm-hmm. And... You know, that I thought it was really cool that they kind of tied it together in a universe in that way. But I also thought it was interesting that they chose uh, kind of the power girl look for her. Um, what did you guys think about about the characterization of Galatea and, and how they introduced her? The, the first time I saw the power girl outfit, Sans the Cape, I, I just I grinned. I was just like, that's a that's a really interesting way to bring that character into this universe, even though it's not her. Right. I mean, obviously, you know, she's she's never called Power Girl. They don't explore her beyond her role in this. But to have a design like that uh, with the uh, – there's a technical term for it. It's called boot window. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and all that. And I I like her as a character because they manage to, right there at the end of the episode, make you feel kind of bad for her. Yeah, you know she, she she didn't turn evil because she's evil. She's not even really evil. Totally, she's just she's a tool. She is a creation, and because of that, she doesn't really have a soul almost. Uh, mm-hmm. And the fact that she's having these dreams of, you know, Supergirl doing her heroic thing, it's probably confusing the heck out of her. <laughs> so while She's creepy and extremely dangerous. At the same time, what this series does is what it always does is make you care about everybody on screen, including the antagonist of the episode. Yeah, I I really liked the idea that she could feel Supergirl's conscience and that she kind of understood that some of the things that she was doing that those actions were bad like she could she could feel that and supergirl could feel the danger that she was exuding to other people and the the fear that she was kind of creating for other people and i really liked that connection and i i was very 
interested in the the interaction with you know the fact that Dr. Hamilton he seem he tries to put it out there that oh I I don't know how this happened I don't know where she came from yeah. or whatever and he's <laughs> kind of lying about it he totally knows totally involved he totally is he, in charge of all of this he knows exactly what happens but the the idea that he's kind of participated in, in this and that he is kind of being shady about it was really interesting to me and I I really enjoyed seeing Supergirl have to kind of deal with this situation because she her reputation was kind of being uh, tarnished a little bit because there was somebody kind of out there like her and I did think it was uh, interesting that they did sort of use the Power Girl costume but didn't really reference Power Girl, but I guess in a, in a way that was a good thing because I guess Power Girl's seen more of a, a hero type, but mm-hmm. Galatea, even though she is, like you said, Michael, uh, a tool used for whatever mission she's supposed to go out and accomplish, she is still kind of acting in a bad way. And so I think that would have been a, a kind of a bad thing to have Power Girl do because she's normally seen as a hero. So I guess it, it works in a way to pay homage to Power Girl, but have a completely separate clone kind of a character to have these bad things going on. I thought it was interesting, too, that they made it a point to say that, um, especially with the boob window, uh, they made it a point to say that she looks older than Supergirl. Yeah, they're more mature. Like they, they, they're, they're like, she's the more mature version. We're being very clear that we're not putting a girl in this outfit. She is a woman in this outfit. <laughs> um, you know, but also uh, I thought it was awesome that she... Uh, like Michael said, she's not evil, and w- even when she's going after Supergirl, it's more out of desperation than anything mm. else. I mean, she's trying to kill Supergirl because of this link, and she doesn't want somebody else in her head. And so she's trying to kill Supergirl to cut the link off, because that's the only way that that will, you know, disappear. But then with uh, Dr. Hamilton uh, talking about his shadiness, like the fact that at the end of the episode, she's kind of uh, Galatea's lying beat up at the end of everything when, when Supergirl has like defeated her. And, you know, he's, he's like taking care of her like she's his child or like um, it's this creepy loving thing that happens uh, with them. And she's kind of lying there all bruised. But, you know, so we don't really know what's going to happen to her at the end of all of this. And, and the weird thing is, is that they they kind of shade her character without kind of putting a signpost on it. When the question is interrogating the reporter in the back of his car uh, after making fun of the boy bands, and, and and might I say that for a boy band, one of those guys looks like me with my hair cut and and shaved. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I feel like that's like some of the comic writers or something yeah. that they yeah, threw it had into to have been band e- poster. Yeah, it had to have been an Easter egg. They were called, they were a boy band called the W Boys. W Boys. With, <laughs> with, with, with a Z. But yeah, it almost had to be an Easter egg, but I don't know who those guys were supposed to be. But, uh, but he said, you know, he said, I, I met this girl like a week ago. Does she have nightmares? More like tossing and turning. Well, there's only one way that he knows that. And that is, she got intimate with this guy, right? Yeah, and that's like that—that's like deep undercover shadiness that make, yeah. that almost makes you uncomfortable because yeah. you realize, you know, <laughs> putting yourself putting yourself in that position and all that. But Hamilton broke my heart in in this in this whole arc. He just, I I am a fan of that character from the comics, 
Uh, he was Superman's bumbling, absent-minded professor science guy, uh, based on a bunch of different characters from like the '50s series. And both in the comics and on this show, they that he did a heel turn, uh, to use a wrestling term. <laughs> and both times, I was like, "Really, Doctor Hamilton?" Now, in the comics, it was done a little better. I never bought his rationale on this show, which they don't go into here. But when they do, it's just like, really, that's kind of a weak, like, like that's seriously weak. But no, I, I thought he was creepier talking to Supergirl when they went to visit him. It's not like something that the first time I saw it, this was my reaction to it but it's just like every time he answers a question he's got this kind of i know everything look on his face and when he brings out that machine and it's just like oh i know exactly what you're talking about here is the scary device from your dream and and then goes into how you know just trying to brush everything off like you've never had to be operated on now here's the question though she was how old when superman found her and she was in suspended animation, so didn't she, like, live on this other planet in the Kryptonian system? Yes. So wouldn't she have, I don't know, she probably wasn't invulnerable on that planet. So that, that, when, when he said it this time, it struck me as kind of dubious. So hmm. Yeah, it's kind of scary to know that, like, he would have known everything while he was talking to her like he had an explanation for everything and it's interesting that green arrow he buys it he's like okay yeah i i, I buy that explanation for everything because he had an answer for everything he had an answer for the torture device he had an answer for um why she might have been you know vulnerable during her surgery he had an answer for everything so yeah he tried to pass it off like he was innocent in everything and, and that, there's no and that no, her ahead, dreams, sorry. and that and that her dreams were just dreams. Well, yeah, and and they had no reason to not believe him, really. Um, although I did love how you know, because Green Arrow is not exactly the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> I mean, he's a rich guy, he's a good guy, he's talented with a bow and arrow. I wouldn't say intelligence was like his his number one trait, <laughs> um, but like I, I did love how he was kind of. Um, set up against the question. Because um, whereas, like, you know, you have Green Arrow totally believing and buying into this, you know, you have the question questioning everything. And, um, and that, that line where, she, where he says he looked through her trash and she's like, wait, you looked through my trash? I looked through, please. I looked through everyone's trash. <laughs> like, you're not special, Supergirl. I look at everybody's trash, okay? Um but I did love how they were kind of juxtaposed uh, in this episode. And uh, it's like they were the two sides of Supergirl's brain. You know, the one side that wants to believe this doctor because this doctor had helped her out. Uh, and the other side that's like, there's something wrong with me and I need to find out what it is. So it was cool that, they're, that both of them were in this episode kind of uh, acting as her, like kind of the outward personifications of what she's going through. Well, I think with Green Arrow, he looks at the question as there but for the grace of God go I. Because Green Arrow is a lefty. He said it in the in yeah. the first episode. He's just like, you know, I, I, I marched against nuclear power, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have the question who is my favorite character from this iteration of the Justice League. Of all the people they brought in, this is the guy that I wanted an entire series about. In fact, all one of the... In one of the um, 
commentaries, Bruce Tim talks about that whenever they did the question, all they wanted to do was the question. Because <laughs> he's just this he's just this really interesting conspiracy buff. Now he wasn't that way really in the comics. In fact in the comics he was more he was weird in the comics. When they when they brought him back after the crisis when they fully introduced him into the DC universe, he really he was like this Zen superhero where Denny O'Neill wrote this series where he talked about the, the, the things going on in late eighties, early nineties America. And it was this very thought provoking kind of existential series. And, and here they cast him more as, you know, he's, he's the basis for Rorschach in the Watchmen, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that. Yeah. So they kind of took him more in that direction and made him totally awesome. Like he's got uh, – I was looking on the IMDb and I didn't notice this. There is a, an, uh, a, a um, thing to the question – I mean to the X-Files. Uh, there's a poster with an alien's head uh, that says, I know. And that's uh, yeah. like a shout-out to the X-Files. And apparently there is a clipping chart string resembling John Nash – of a beautiful mind, his decoding shape is in there too. Oh, that so I didn't see. There, yeah, thank you, IMDb. Um, <laughs> there, there's just so much going on with this character, and then you have Green Arrow, who doesn't trust the government, but he doesn't trust the government like this guy doesn't trust the government. Like it's just, I loved them kind of butting heads throughout the entire episode with poor Supergirl kind of caught in the middle. Yeah. Well, and I also love that, that, you know, the question was so full of humor, too. And uh, shout out to Jeffrey Combs, by the way, who um, was on Deep Space Nine, among uh, other Star Trek properties, um, for doing the voice on this, because he was great. But um, also, uh, the fact that he's, like, singing along with the boy band song. Yes. <laughs> like, he hates boy bands, but, like, he's humming the tune as he's breaking in the building. And, like... <laughs> And the fact that, you know, he, he says, you know, I look through everybody's trash. Like, the fact that he's so uh, suspicious and so, you know, uh, so much of a conspiracy theorist and yet so hilarious is really, really wonderful. Yeah, I, I thought it, that little bit with with him singing was fun. And I enjoyed that he's not a care. He's a character who doesn't care if people don't like him. He, he doesn't care if you don't want to go along with anything he has to say. He's going to go and investigate his own leads yeah. and whatever he because at one point supergirl and green arrow go and do their thing and the question's like okay i'm gonna go over here and follow this thing out and try to find this dude and he interrogates this car this guy in a car and it was actually kind of neat because i had forgotten that you actually see his face mm-hmm. at one point and so that was pretty cool and yeah um, i i liked that he was kind of a go-getter in that in that way that he was willing to go and try to follow his instincts and and he got some information out of that guy and it's it's funny that you mentioned that because he also does that with uh with supergirl too he's like you know fine we're gonna you know supergirl and i are gonna go follow this lead and you can do whatever you want like yeah, yeah you go you go follow whatever weak lead it is that you have yeah there, there's a fun reference that i did catch before i saw it in imdb uh, the reporter that comes up and talks to the guy that the question questions that's uncomfortable to say uh, <laughs> is based on a on an old TV series called Kolchak the Night Stalker hmm. which was a 70s series with the dad from A Christmas Story 
uh, playing a reporter that chases down supernatural stuff. Uh, it was very much X-Files in the 70s, for lack of a better term. So having this Kolchak-looking character asking him, asking the other reporter about his leads, I thought that was, I thought it was a really cute little in-joke. Like, if you got it, you got it. If not, it just looks like this, it's setting up that this reporter was just handed this information. He didn't do any work for it. He didn't, you know, it's not like he, he, he did the legwork on it or anything, even though that's what he says he did. No, it was just kind of handed to him. So we get that right before he's scared into spilling his guts. The, it was such a horror film moment when the question activates the gas that changes the color of his suit and puts the, the blank face on. Yeah. Mm. Um, and he's screaming, and then they cut to outside the car, like in every like werewolf or vampire or monster movie yeah. where someone's getting attacked in it. <laughs> uh, and then it cuts back, and they're just talking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> now, actually, it's funny because you know we've been talking about Green Arrow and the question, working with Supergirl to kind of figure figure this out, um, and then they get to you know. Realizing who Galatea is, they have this big fight in the hologram chamber, which we'll talk about. But I actually wanted to ask, like, what you thought about, since this was a tie-in to the Superman the Animated Series story, it was interesting to me that they didn't include Superman in any way in this, considering that, you know, him saving Supergirl at the end of that episode was so, was, was such a big deal for him, and that that story was, like, it meant so much to him, the fact that they didn't you know, at least in part include him in this was, was interesting to me. Well, she probably doesn't want to run to her cousin every time something goes wrong. You know, talking to Green Arrow, who now she has a, a connection with since they went on that mission together, he seems to be like the one to go talk to because yeah. Cal, you know, when they eventually get to kind of sending Supergirl off to where they send her off to, in the final season, it, it, I always got the feeling that he was not the overbearing big brother, but she wanted to kind of prove herself. Yeah. So yeah. I I want to go deal with this. Now, the better question is, why isn't Jonathan talking to Clark that his cousin is ruining their house every night <laughs> yeah. uh, in some well, that, way, shape, form, or fashion. That's what I, more what I mean. Like, why, I, not that why didn't she go to Superman, but why wasn't Superman included in the story? Why wasn't he written in? Like, I, fe- I felt like, yeah, Jonathan would have gone to him. Some, he would have found out somehow that this was happening, especially since, you know, he not that long ago had this experience where he, you know, was brainwashed and, and had to bring uh, Supergirl to Star Labs and all of that. Like, that's was fairly recent, no? Yeah, and it's such a good point because the whole reason that they create Galatea is... Is in response to that. Yeah, just in case this ever happens. Like, because what happens is, you know, Superman kind of gets brainwashed and then he leads an invasion of Earth from uh, Apocalypse and they kind of... General Hardcastle even talks about it in the episode where, like, he failed as a military guy and he kind of had to take early retirement because nobody in the military could trust him because he failed. And so they had to find another way to combat an alien invasion. And so one of their ways that they kind of come up with is to create someone with that power level, with those skills, with those abilities. And so that's how they create Galatea. And so I think that's a great point that you bring up, Teresa, that 
in some ways, I think Superman probably should have been involved in it because he was responsible, even though he kind of didn't know what he was doing when he was doing it. But he was kind of responsible for that. Yeah, and it might have bogged down the story, you know. I mean, it's 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 something that I felt during the episode. Like, I, I was watching it and being like, I feel like Superman should show up. Somebody should be telling him something. Somebody, you know, whatever. But as it was, there was already a lot going on. It's a half-hour show. They probably couldn't cram it all in. But, yeah, it, it was definitely something I missed while I was watching the episode. Like, I felt like there should have been at least a scene with him kind of reacting to this or dealing with it in some way since it did involve him so much. But I guess, Obviously. Uh, but I guess on the positive side of that is that not having Superman involved makes it more of a Supergirl story. And it, mm-hmm. it, yeah. it gives her something to do and have an episode that's, you know, focused on Purely her. about her. Yeah, so I guess in that way, that's a good thing. Yeah. And Superman's a busy guy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, for all we know, he was, like, negotiating some kind of peace summit between the Spider <laughs> Guild and the Daxamites out in the Vagan system. <laughs> yeah. you know, he, just, might, he might have been off-planet. <laughs> you know. It's like he gets back when everything's all well and you know all all said and done. Uh, they're they don't shy away from dealing with Superman though. Eventually, I mean, he's drawn heavily into what the cul- the culmination of this storyline. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I just you know it, <laughs> I think about those things, but I am so knee jerk reaction of is oh because if they would have brought him in, the plot wouldn't have played out the way it did. So <laughs> yeah. Well, Therefore, yeah, yeah. we don't bring Superman in. And I'm not saying that as, as to be a smart aleck. It's just it's it's how my mind deals with these things. It's an argument that I'm constantly getting into with my wife when we watch this stuff. That, uh, <laughs> I've accepted it, but she wants an answer, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, let's uh, let's talk about that. Uh, that hologram chamber fight. Um uh, I thought it was actually really cool that they, you know, that there was a training area for Galatea, that they didn't just, like, let her loose in the city to kind of train on the job. Um, so, uh, I don't know. What do we think about that and about the way that uh, Galatea and Supergirl interacted in that scene? I-, I thought it was incredibly powerful that they were so vicious fighting each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, they – Supergirl really wasn't holding back either. And, uh, you know, there, there, there's those, you know, man versus man, man versus nature, man versus self. So we're talking like primal creative writing 101 stuff, like playing out as two people destroy a city without the ramifications of destroying a city. Right. You know, she like Galatea can pick up a building, which never works for me, but whatever. Um, she can pick up a building and throw it at her. And we know that there's nobody in there to get hurt. Right. So I, I kind of like that they used that trope of it's a hologram uh, to kind of get around that so that they could tear the place up without you really thinking too much about all the civilians that are probably getting killed. So I, I, I like these kind of battles because instead of just being your typical superhero fighting supervillain and they're just you know hitting each other – this is a deeply personal battle. This is Galatea, you know, trying to kill the part of herself that makes her feel bad. And this is Supergirl trying to stop this dangerous creature. 
And in the middle, you have Green Arrow going, you know, you know, pointing, you know, being, you know, the dad of the situation <laughs> and kind of pointing out like, you know, th- this is all your fault, essentially. Mm. You know, you're doing this not because you're angry, but because you don't want to feel guilty about the things you've done so to cut that out of yourself. So yeah. basically, it's both characters dealing with the one element of their personality that they don't want to deal with or don't want to have to face. And now they're facing it head on. Yeah, and they, they they deal with it by punching it, you know, like yes. that's that's kind of their, both of their gut reaction is I don't like something, I'm going to punch it until it stops existing. I like that point you brought up, Michael, because uh, Supergirl could be Galatea if mm-hmm. she didn't have control of herself. She could easily just be a character who picks up buildings and th- throws people through them and is is violent she could be that character so i like the the point you made that she's kind of fighting the bad side of herself just as much as galatea is fighting the good sides of uh what she shares with supergirl and my i was sort of laughing about the fight sequence because you see it a lot in the animated stuff where i mean two superpower beings who have kind of the same power level sometimes do throw each other through buildings and cause a lot of destruction. My my Man of Steel apologist self was like, <laughs> you know, if people need to stop talking about Man of Steel like they do because this happens all the time. This is what happens when two superpowered people uh, or uh, uh, beings fight each other. But I think um, you're right about the, the fact that the hologram chamber is kind of a, a virtual reality where nobody's getting hurt. And you can kind of get away with it a little more in that situation. But yeah, one of my favorite things about that fight was actually not even the Supergirl Galatea stuff. It was the question because he gets in there like (laughs) green arrow kind of gets knocked out and he's kind of useless, but the question gets up there and he's like, Hey, if you want to kill somebody, kill me. And he kind of prods Galatea to question her beliefs and her feelings. And I thought that was really brave of him. Definitely. Yeah, and he was the one to do it, too. I mean, uh, Green Arrow could have done it. I mean, Green Arrow already stepped in front of a gun aimed at Supergirl. But it's just more of, here's the guy that knows you better than you know yourself. Because, well, obviously, he's been through her garbage. So, uh, you know, he he knows what she eats and what kind of toothpaste she uses and all that. Now, that was... uh, That's why having this dynamic that Justice League Unlimited had where it's not just a Supergirl story. I mean, obviously, for this show, you're going to focus on that. But it's also a Green Arrow story. It's also a question story. And you get to see how big and wonderful the DC Universe is and how great and diverse all these characters are. It's, It's why... You know, I don't. I don't think this, this is going to. This is a slight tangent, and I do apologize for it. But I don't think it's a. It's a coincidence that DC announces a Killing Joke adaptation after oh, yeah. the latest thing Bruce Tim does looks amazing and blows everything else <laughs> that they've been doing since he left out of the water. I mean, I don't think that's a coincidence here. You know. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you know, him as producer and the writers they had, they were so good at just within a 22 minute time period getting into these characters heads and delivering on the action and delivering on the superhero fun, but also giving you something to kind of cling on to if you want a really good story out of it. 
Yeah, no, and and I I agree with you that like the that the show does a great job of kind of showing the different ways in which somebody can be a hero. Because you do have, like, sometimes you need to punch things in the face. But uh, <laughs> if anybody's going to get somebody to question themselves and, and examine their own motives, it's going to be the question. I like that. Um, and if, you know, so it's like they each have their strengths and they each have a time when they are the most useful. So, yeah, I agree. That scene was great. And, uh, and watching the, cre- the questions stand up in that moment was cool, just like it was cool when Green Arrow stood in front of that kryptonite gun. So, yeah, that's very, very... Very much a good point, and uh, and yeah, the the DC characters really shine for me in all of the animated stuff. Really, um, honestly, I think that the uh, the animated shows are are my favorite part of DC. Well, they they give you the distillation of the universe. It's, yeah. it's why I think I haven't watched a whole lot of Young Justice, but I get out of Young Justice that it was very much we're going to take these characters and kind of give you their, you know, take everything that's ever been done with them mix that up in like a like a puree machine and just pour it out as a fully formed character. And they did that in spades with uh, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, which is why it is my favorite version of the DC Universe, you know, and I, I love the comics, but, you know, the, there is something about this, and these I mean, we, we talked about it when we talked about the last episode I was on for, you know, the, the, this may, this hits me right in my fan box. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, it, you know, if I was the type of person to squee, uh, which I'm not, <laughs> but if I was, this would make me squee. I'll squee for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but no, and and one of the things that I I do love too is that these these shows can be watched by a younger audience, um, but it doesn't dumb things down, and it doesn't it doesn't talk down to to a. a a child that might be watching this. Um, it deals with, with really complex themes in a way that that's simple. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good point because there are a lot of character beats in this one and a lot of serious things that happen, you know, talking about the military corruption and military secrets, and then you can balance that out with Green Arrow talking to Supergirl about his dreams about Black Canary, even though he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't say it specifically. He doesn't right. spell it out. I know, but he's like... I know. As all he needs to do is look at her, and it's like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, he, he talks about how his dreams feel mighty real, um, and that made me laugh. And so I, I, I like the idea of what Justice League Unlimited does is that it gives each character uh, a lot of chances to shine and a lot of chances to delve into their character. Like even just that little bit with Green Arrow and Black Canary, it, it tells you something about Green Arrow. And what is really great about this episode for Supergirl is that it tells you a lot about Supergirl and what she wants to be as a hero and what she doesn't want to be as a hero. And and I I really like the fact that through Supergirl's story, you get to know the question more, you get to know Green Arrow more, and you get to see kind of the world around them with the military and the conspiracy happenings with dr hamilton i I think it's really well balanced and covers a lot of ground in a short amount of time well i think that wraps up our conversation for uh for this episode um we're talking about justice league unlimited fearful symmetry um so definitely check that out um and thank you again so much for uh for joining us michael we love having you here um so thank you so much and uh where can people find you on the interwebs Ah, uh, well, there's Views from a Longbox at viewsfromalongbox.com. It's uh, my comic book podcast. There's also Fortress of Bailey-Tude, where I occasionally talk about Superman, and you can find From Crisis to Crisis there. 
as well, which is one other show I do. Uh, and as always, I like to mention every Monday night at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time, I'm one of the co-hosts of Radio KAL Live over at the Superman homepage, where we talk about all things uh, going on in the world of Superman. Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we're also available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And we are part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, and the upcoming Legends of Tomorrow, subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV podcasts on Facebook. And as always, you can find me over at the Mary Sue. That's the Mary Sue.com. Uh, my blog is the Teresa Gacino Experience, which you can find at Teresa Gacino.wordpress.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Teresa Gacino. And I'm on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Teresa Gacino Experience. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. Until next time, I'm still Teresa Gisino. And I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And don't worry if the question goes through your trash. He goes through everyone's trash. (laughs) 